1: Explore research at sydney.edu.au Hello, I'm Adam Levy and this is Working Scientist, a Nature Careers podcast. In this series, we're looking at the tricky process of publishing a paper. use is a bunch of science if you can't tell the world about it. Scientific papers don't just share results and methods, but are also crucial career milestones for many researchers. But the journey from a bunch of science to a published peer-reviewed paper can be a bumpy one, to say the least.
0: Doing science can be difficult, but I think sometimes the hardest part is really the last
2: bit. I think it was mainly finding the right words.
3: It was an incredible challenge experience. These are the voices
1: of three of the researchers who you'll hear from throughout this four-part series. In this first episode, we'll focus on the first stage of getting published, preparing a manuscript for submission. Neuroscientist Agustina Banyas splits his time between the Institute of Cognitive and Translational Neuroscience in Argentina and the University of California, San Francisco. And he still remembers the grueling process of getting his first ever paper published.
3: I didn't have any experience uh, in publishing. My advisor also didn't have any experience. So I remember that my first paper was rejected like a eight times at least <laughs> i will say uh, but i i learned in the process it's an incredible process science have this huge opportunity you know to get uh, continuous feedback from the reviewers and you you have additional chances to improve your writings and to improve your methods
1: Becoming a scientist involves building up skills in experiment, analysis, statistics. But learning how to put together a paper is just as vital a part of a researcher's journey, says Agustin.
3: This is a process that takes so much long years. And, you know, in the academia, especially in Latin America, you don't receive training for writing skills.
1: These skills are so important because for many academics, publishing papers is a crucial step in building a successful career. This means that, especially for early career researchers, there can be an immense pressure to publish. Here's psychiatrist Dixon Chabanda, who is based at the London School of Hygiene and Tropical Medicine and the University of Zimbabwe in Harare.
2: Yes, that pressure is there, uh, unfortunately, in in the world of academia. You have to publish. I mean, it's not a good thing to have a a whole year where you haven't published something. I mean, we are judged by what we publish, I guess, in this field and the work that we do.
1: Dixon is a clinician as well as a researcher. He sees that while paper publishing is vital to many, it's not the focus for others.
2: There are researchers who thrive when they publish, and there are researchers who, who thrive when the work that they've come up with is making a difference. It's you know being scaled up or introduced in different parts of the world. You know, so we, we all have different a different focus, and there's no right or wrong. I think it, it really depends on 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 what you feel is your purpose as a a researcher in the big scheme of things.
1: But let's say you do want to publish a paper. How do you know when a set of experiments, analysis, whatever, how do you know when you have a paper's worth of work? Here's environmental scientist Jen Burney of the University of California, San Diego.
0: I think for me, it's always been a process of doing some work, either some analysis or some experiments or you know, some thinking, some conceptualization, and feeling like it's gotten to a place that feels like it's telling something potentially new and interesting. And then I always then try to circulate it to other people. Um, I have, you know, a network of friends and students and colleagues and collaborators. Just sort of a, what do you think about this? Is this, is this reasonable? Is it going in the right direction? Do you have any ideas for how to make it better? And I sort of find if you, if you are reading a lot and going to talks and sort of paying attention to what's going on, you, you do have a pretty good feel for when something might be new and interesting in making a contribution.
1: Once you feel like you have enough work to make up a paper, the next job is to, well, to make the paper. Putting the words to the work can be a huge challenge, though. Evolutionary biologist Pamela Yeh of the University of California, Los Angeles, has read huge amounts of scientific writing at all levels. Over the years, she's gained some key insights into the writing that makes a great paper.
4: All of us have advice, probably, on, on, on writing and have ideas about the types of papers that we want to see and the types of papers that um, we don't want to see, you know, and the, the papers that are hard to read, hard to understand. As I've worked with more and more students, and I work with a range of students, you know, from our typical undergrads and graduates, and of course we work with postdocs, but also work with high school students. So it's a big range. And so I just started writing over time a, a set of notes that um, things I thought would help them as I saw some of the um, issues that keep coming up again and again and again.
1: Pamela teamed up with her husband and collaborator, Van Savage, as well as their friend and the Pulitzer Prize-winning novelist, Cormac McCarthy. Together, they gathered a set of paper-writing tips that were published in Nature Careers in 2019. This article proved to be hugely popular with Nature's readers. I called Pamela up and asked her how this collaboration between two scientists and a novelist came about
4: we struck up this collaboration because um, Van had a lot of things that he wanted people to know about with writing. And I had a lot of things I wanted people to know about with writing. And um, and Cormac had things that he wanted um, people to know with the writing too. And so it ended up being, I think, a really nice collaboration.
1: You're not just giving this advice from the outside. You're also a researcher publishing your own work. Just looking back to when you started out and when you were first writing and first submitting how did it feel to go through that
4: process (laughs) it was so hard um and my advisor warned me and it was a really good warning and I warn my students now too the same thing that that first paper is you know the hardest one that you'll get out and my advisor and I probably went back and forth I would say at least 20 times I mean we revised and revised and revised and revised So, um, it was really frustrating. And I, I, and I try to remember that when I help my own students go through this process.
1: How do you kind of tell as a researcher when a body of work or an amount of research that you've done is a paper in the first place?
4: you know, of course, you can always get more and more and more. And that's a a, a trap that we can fall into as well. Or you can um, also try to publish like that, you know, that minimal amount of data that somebody will accept as a paper. But, um, you know, I don't think I don't suggest either one of those. I think you want to tell a story and tell a full story and tell a story that's interesting is um, that will make sense to a researcher.
1: Now, once you've decided, okay, all this work I've done, this is going to be a paper, how do you go about making that paper any good?
4: (laughs) That is such a good question. Um, You know, I beg my students and postdocs, short, simple sentences. And if you don't know what you're saying then I won't know what you're saying because sometimes you get these sentences are packed with, um, commas and jargon. Um, it's completely convoluted and I suspect that the writer doesn't know what they're saying. Right. And so I, I tell them, please, please, please short, simple sentences. You know, I always write with the audience in mind. You know, what I think about my audience is that it's somebody really smart, but doesn't know the details of my system or maybe even my subfield. And, um, and if I can get those points across to them, then I feel like I've done my job.
1: So that's a lot, I suppose, about the language we use and how we structure the language. But what about the overall structure of the paper itself?
4: I think here the introduction is probably the most important thing because you have to make the reader want to know the answer to your question. I think you have to provide the right context for um, why this is an exciting question. Um, why this is important to our field, and how is it that your work is going to help answer this question? So I think um, for really trying to set that stage for making an exciting story, I think the introduction is really critical.
1: I think some scientists might be listening to this and might think, oh, science isn't about telling stories, it's about just presenting the information and the facts and the methodology. What would you say to people who are maybe a bit nervous about the idea of a paper being a story?
4: Oh, hmm. well, I mean, I think that they have a good point. I'm not telling a fictional story. <laughs> <laughs> I want to tell, I guess I mean a story in the sense that I, I have something somewhat complete. I have a major question how did I get to this question? Why is that important? That's essentially the introduction. And then I have the second point, which is the, um, this idea that um, now I'm gonna lead you through how I answered it. And that's our, you know, our methods and results. And then I'll tell you at the end, what does this all mean, you know, um, for a story? So I think the story part comes in putting your work into context of um, the field, of other people's work, of why it's important, and it'll make your results much more compelling.
1: We've spoken a fair bit about some of the things that people should be thinking about doing when they're putting together paper. But what are, I suppose, some of the common pitfalls that you you see often and that you think people should be aware of in their own writing?
4: You know, the title is incredibly important because it's the thing that everyone is going to read from your paper. And if they're not interested, they're not going to keep reading it. So I would say spend a lot of time on your title and, of course, a lot of time on your, on your abstract. And then the, I think the figures are critical. I think you want, to, uh, certainly for our field, and I think this is um, possibly true for um, a number of fields, um, for us, I want to tell the entire story. If a person will only look at the figures, because a lot of people will only read look at your figures. They might look at the title, they might skim your abstract, and they might look at your figures. So we try to make our figures tell the story as much as possible.
1: Do you have any, I suppose, personal pet peeves, which when you're reading a paper, and you come across <laughs> a particular writing style or kind of figure <laughs> or something like that, you just think, oh, not again.
4: <laughs> yes, yes. So I I can't stand um, those papers that have really long sentences with a ton of commas and a lot of jargon. Um, and, and my big complaint here is I think that the writer doesn't understand themselves what they're trying to say. Um, and so they figure if they put this all together and throw in enough of you know, these buzzwords, um, that'll look good enough. And, and I guess my pet peeve is I don't think the writer is thinking about the reader and one thing the I always tell my students is, hey, look, I'm, I'm working with you on this. I've been working on this for years and years. Um, if I don't understand what you're trying to say, someone who hasn't been doing this for years and years will definitely not understand. It's, it, it's a pretty straightforward um, piece of advice, but even I have trouble taking it. So I always have to go through and, and edit my, my own work and try to cut things, um, um, cut things down and make things shorter and simpler, make sure I don't repeat anything.
1: Do you have any tips for people when they're trying to work out where their paper should be submitted to in the first place?
4: Oh, wow. That's, wow. I need those tips myself. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And I'll tell you, I think it matters a little bit at different stages in your career, but certainly pre-tenure, and and I'm just telling you this as someone who only very recently got tenure. I got tenure um, less than a year ago. Pre-tenure, it was very, you know, there's an urgency. You can't have um, you can't submit to a place that's going to sit on your um, paper for six months or a year and ask um, for gigantic and um, multiple rounds of revisions. That's um, um, it's you have to get your work out. And um, and yet at the same time, you want people to read it. One thing that I think about is, well, how major a contribution do I think it is? And you have to look at it um, with a very realistic, as objective as you can, um, perspective. I think another way of um, trying to decide the, the appropriate journal is, if you look at your paper um, and you can see, well, who are you mostly citing? Are they mostly in you know, a set of disciplinary journals? Are they in the top disciplinary journals? What's the context of what it is that you're writing?
1: That was biologist Pamela Yeh. Writing can be a challenge no matter how long you've been practising. And all these difficulties are made worse for researchers when English isn't their first language, since many papers are still written and read in this language. Here's Agustina Bañez, who you heard from earlier.
3: English is, is really a big barrier. Imagine that you have an amazing result, but you are writing like children or something like that so you immediately get a, a really bad impression if you are an editor or or a reviewer right so our english my written english is better my my speech of course but we use like um, some of the available service for for proofread now you know when you have a really strong international network we tend to have a always collaborations with us or europe so we Assure that the English is of high quality.
1: Pamela for one, is pretty impressed by scientists writing English papers when English isn't their native language. And she has some tips for us English speakers to help level
4: the playing field. I have a hard enough time writing in my first language. And so I am amazed by um, people who can do the scientific writing in a completely different language. If you can cultivate your network of English speaking collaborators and friends Um, and I would also not be afraid to reach out and ask if you've met somebody and they're excited about your work um, just ask because you know I do that for a lot of people and I expect I suspect that a lot of people um, who are native English speakers would also do the same thing if you have some unfair major advantage then you need to be able to pay it back a little bit
1: Of course, language is just one of many challenges in putting together a killer paper. When lead authors are trying to manage a long list of busy collaborators, it can be tricky to get everyone to feed back. Antarctica scientist Pippa Whitehouse of Durham University in the UK has a pro tip for exactly this situation.
2: So a phrase that I use now is along the lines of, if I don't hear from you by Wednesday... I would assume you're in agreement with the paper being submitted. And that's just a, a way of not chasing them up um, so much, but just giving that extra kick that if they do want any final input, that's their deadline.
1: OK, so you've managed to pass all these hurdles. You've got a paper's worth of material that you've written into a clear and engaging paper. And all your co-authors are happy. Well, that must mean it's time to submit, Dixon vividly remembers the feeling when his very first paper
2: was sent in. Well, you know, ironically, you know, my, my immediate reaction was, was, thank God I hope I don't ever have to do that again.
1: <laughs> Even once researchers are more established in their careers, submitting a paper is a big step. A step that Pippa and Jen have somewhat opposite reactions to.
2: The moment of submission is pretty terrifying, um, but also really boring at the same time. <laughs> By that time, you just want it out of the way. So, it's actual submission is is not a pleasant process, actually.
0: I always think that you should celebrate a little bit, like when a paper is born, as opposed to when it finally is published. Um, and so, take a moment and just be really happy that you submitted something. You got something to a point where. We all think it's, it's, it's ready to go out and see what people think about it.
1: So congratulations on submitting a paper. But this is only the first step of publication, because next comes the response from the editor and the reviewers. And this is what we'll be talking about in the next episode of this Nature Careers podcast. Thanks for listening. I'm Adam Levy. This four-part Working Scientist podcast is supported by the University of Sydney, Explore research at sydney.edu.au.
0: Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods